This week and next week, we're sitting down with Gabriela Hernandez of Besame Cosmetics to hear her full story of not only starting Besame, but what led her to her love of collecting vintage and antique cosmetics and pieces of the beauty world. We really enjoyed sitting down with her and we had a really great, honest conversation that covers tons of aspects of being a collector, being a business owner. We just felt like we wanted to give you guys the whole episode without cutting it down to its simplest parts. So please enjoy Gabriella Hernandez. You see, people collect all kinds of things. New, old, priceless, worthless. Darling, it doesn't matter what. I simply must know why. Those mothballs shouldn't get to keep all the secrets. This is the Mothball Prophecies. Hello and welcome to the Mothball Prophecies. I'm Samantha Mashburn. And I'm Jill Huffman. And today we're sitting down with a woman who has revolutionized the makeup world by keeping the beauty and the history of makeup alive in our modern world. She's an author of Classic Beauty, The History of Makeup and owner and designer of Besame Cosmetics. Welcome, Gabriela Hernandez. Oh, we're so excited. Yeah, we are really excited. <laughs> So I want to start with, um, you're an immigrant to the United States and you immigrated to the United States when you were 12, but I want to talk about, I read a lot over the last week or so about you when you talk a lot about your grandmothers and your aunts and your mother getting Mm -hmm. ready. Yes. Tell me about that growing up. Well, you know, I, I, I looked uh, you know, when I was little, um, I always had very curly hair. Um, so it was very unruly, uh, (laughs) Or my, my mom to take care of it because, you know, it was kind of thick and curly and, you know, there weren't a lot of styling products available to to use for kids. I mean, mm-hmm. it was, you know, the 60s when a lot of people wore a lot of hairspray and that. So you didn't you wouldn't do that to to, uh, you know, kids. Right. Uh, at that time. So. Um, so anyways, my mom didn't have a lot of patience with my hair. So, so they cut it short. So I always had very, very short hair. Um, and I was very petite and small and kind of, you know, people mistook me for a boy. Mm. They thought I was a boy. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, 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 I didn't feel at all feminine, Mm -hmm. you know, for a very long time, because again, you know, people just didn't take me as a girl. They thought I was a boy. Um, and with the short hair, I didn't, you know, remember in that period of time, uh, in the sixties, you had those long, long kind of very straight hair mm-hmm, uh, yeah. styles and bangs and, and the, you know, ponytails, but long and, mm-hmm. and like share and just super. Sleek. Yeah. Yeah. And I have very kinky, curly, short hair. So, mm-hmm. so I was kind of not, not even close to being feminine or even pretty. Or, yeah. you know, for that period of time, it was considered feminine and pretty. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my aunt was, you know, and my godmother, they had, they dressed like this. They had the long hair and the go-go boots and the thing and the mini skirts and this. So when I looked at them, I thought, oh, my God, this is, this is what I want. I want to look like that. I, you know, yeah. <laughs> and this is my epitome of what. Uh, a pretty is, you know, uh, but I, I'm not it. They're they're doing it, so I want that. Um, but of course, I didn't know what you had to do that, you know, from what I was. <laughs> yeah, so I just, right. yeah, 
know, just, just admired them. And, you know, sometimes I would steal their like, lipstick and put it on and just kind of like, you know, in the mirror, just put it on and then don't move my lips because I wanted it to stay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had this sparkly pink lipstick on. <laughs> I did. I did yes. something so similar to that. So I had the same kind of thing growing up. My mom was not very girly. And so ergo, like the stuff passed on to me was not except for my grandmother. She is like hyper beauty aware. But I had super short hair. I have all brothers like it was the same thing. And I was kind of just like a round child. Yes. And my grandmother had in her bathroom this drawer of Clinique lipsticks. But I wasn't allowed to play with them. So I'd like try and sneak to the bathroom and put on like bright orange lipstick and leave it enough time without anybody realizing that I was in the lipstick drawer. But my grandma always knew that I was in the lipstick drawer. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Yeah, I I did that. And then I I just pretended that was a princess or something, you know, with this this bright, you know, kind of pink and and shimmery lipstick on. Um, And it just, uh, I think that's the first time that I felt like the transformative power of makeup, you know, because mm-hmm. you put that on and all of a sudden you're more feminine, you know, mm-hmm. you, you, even though you don't look like them, you could kind of feel like you're pretty because you put this on. Um, and, and, uh, you know, my grandma had, had, a, had her own makeup, but they were more minimalist, you know? It, it was, like, not a lot of stuff, but it was more on the grooming side mm. of things. Like, you know, you always styled your hair, and, you, you'd, you know, you put on your stockings, and you had your, you know, um, uh, you, you groom, your, you know, your dress was pressed, and mm-hmm. things like this. Um, or you shine your shoes, mm-hmm. things like this. That, that nowadays it seems like very old fashioned or, or something, you know, people really don't think about. But this is this is the majority of what it meant to be feminine. It's all this kind of grooming that went around, like getting your hair done every week. And, mm-hmm. and then the makeup was kind of like the cherry on top kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it had to do with everything else, you know, the, the clothes, the shoes, the, you know, the, the grooming uh, that you did, your nails, uh, your hair that you got done every week and things like this. Because my mom used to go to salon every week and have had her hair um, set. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I would go with her and just kind of ogle at all these women getting their hair set. And then I would look at the little bottles that they would use to put on the setting lotion. And then I would collect those. I would ask for the little bottle after they were done so that I had the little bottle and I would collect the little bottle. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I was kind of obsessed with packaging even when I was little. <laughs> <laughs> I had, um, I'm a hairdresser by trade. So I, I fully understand like and appreciate the ritual and self care that's involved in getting ready and helping people, you know, makeup and hair go hand in hand in the most yeah. important parts of people's lives. Yes. You know, oh, yeah. you're, you're there yes. for weddings, you're there for funerals, you're there for baptisms, you're like everything revolves around the process of getting ready. Oh, definitely. And I have my, my aunt is a hairdresser and she was, I'd had the same thing. I'd sit, she would babysit her kids and I'd go into the shop with her and I would sit and watch all these women get their hair done every week and get the curls done and the sets. And so when I started doing my own hair, I started with vintage sets in my hair because why not? (laughs) 
Right. And then when right. I when I went to beauty school, our instructors that we had were older ladies that grew up in that same generation of they all their clientele was weekly sets. So they were incredible at it. And I remember I watched there was one lady we had that was just the queen of backcombing. She could make any hair look like spun sugar. Oh. And I, I looked at her and I said, Lita, will you please put my hair in a beehive today? <laughs> and she was like, yeah. <laughs> and so I wore a beehive in beauty school like several different times. And I would wear it for like three days because once it was up. Yeah, you don't take that down. It was there. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I mean, I love what they did in the salon. Of course, I couldn't get anything like that because I had short curly hair. So <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, I wasn't like I didn't really get into having anything on my hair for until I was a lot older. You know, like you know, ten years old, eleven years old, something like that, where I had a little bit longer hair, but it was still really hard to get any uh, anything done on it. And I remember. They used to do the whole thing with the can. I don't know if you remember uh-huh. the can. Uh, that's the only way that they would get my hair to be uh, straighter. Like they would, they wow. would put the can on top and then they would like, you know, like comb it all around like this and then keep it like that. Yeah. For a while. T- just, yeah, smooth yeah, it around the shape. Oh my yeah, gosh. Just around. yeah, that's it. <laughs> Has your hair like relaxed a little bit as you've gotten older? A little bit. It's a little bit, you know, but this is how it is naturally. It kind of like stays. Does it curly. style like that naturally? Yeah. Oh, that's not fair. It's so yeah. cute. <laughs> <I know. laughs> You know, you grow into it and you go, okay, I accept it. And I, and I, and that's it. And that's what it does. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, so y- you find a style that you could say, okay, uh, this, this will work. And I don't have to do anything, uh, <laughs> yeah. but, but it took me, you know, 50 years. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, I heard this one time from an old lady. She was, I was styling her hair in a set in my chair and she goes, you know, Samantha, we're all just trying to get to our casket hair. And I looked at her and I was like, what? She was like 85. And she goes, yeah, we're all just looking for the hairstyle we have in our casket. And I was like, that's one way to look at it, I guess. And I I looked at her. I said, well, is this it for you? And she goes, yeah, I think it's pretty good. I think this will work. She was she was in and out of she was in the early stages of dementia. So it was kind of a wild card. You never knew what you got. No. Uh No. See, and I was the opposite because I have thick, straight, straight hair. Like, I oh. have to burn my hair to curl it. I can't confirm. And I would do anything to get curly hair. Mm-hmm. I had a perm once and it I was just a poodle. Yeah. It was just, it was horrible. And my mom just kept saying, I told you so. <laughs> I told you so. And it's it, funny. Yeah, it's it's funny how we always want the opposite of yeah. what yeah. we have. Yeah. Isn't it? You know, I, I tried to get it straight all kinds of ways when I was younger in my teens, I, I put like relaxer on it that, mm-hmm. Oh, it, and it burned my scalp so bad. Oh. I had to wear a hat for like two oh, months. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I had like pus coming out of all these. Pus. It Holy was cow. like, it was bad. It was bad. Oh, <laughs> relaxer hair, is do anything, you know, because it was so straight. It would just like stay like that. And I, and I couldn't, <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! Oh my goodness, that was so bad. Oh my, that's up there. When I hear like relaxer stories like that and lightener stories like that, it makes because I 
you know, I do relaxers and lightning services in the salon and they are like relaxers in themselves are such a time sensitive application. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, they can go south in a big hurry. Yeah. My, I can feel the pain on my scalp. From (laughs) It it was really bad because my, my hair is, 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 you know, as it, as I got older, it's curly, but it's very thin, very, very Mm -hmm. thin. So, so what happens is if it gets moisture and that, it just becomes frizzy, you know, uh, but it's not thick or, or anything. So the relaxer just like burned it to a crisp. Yeah. I didn't know any better. I did it at home myself, oh, sure. and was, uh, you know, and, yeah. and, and uh, you know, but you learn, what are you going to do? You know, after that, you go, okay, that wasn't <laughs> that, <that's> not worth <laughs> it. <laughs> At that point, you were like halfway through going through beauty school. Because if you don't do something like that to your own hair in beauty school, you didn't really go to beauty school. (laughs) Is that how that works? (laughs) That's how that works. One day we decided that I was going to go from like a dark brown to platinum blonde in one day. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Super bad plan. And I'm sure my instructors, they were probably just laughing. But I had like probably the same length hair that I have now. And my hair is super straight on its own naturally. I have a lot of it, but it's fine and so straight. I call it Peter Pan hair. <laughs> and we bleached it so much in one day that my hair was curly. Oh, my goodness. Because there was so much damage done to the hair strand. And in my, it's one of those things where you're like, this is fine. This is fine. <laughs> it's fine. I think it's going to work out. I'll have to find those pictures because it's not fine. No, I don't imagine it. That would be. No. Mm-mm. But I was, you know, I was fascinated with the beauty industry from the time of a very young age, too. Yeah. What were some of those like first products you were looking at that you thought they were just so glamorous? Well, the, the first thing I was that setting lotion that my mom used at the salon because it came in a little container that looked like a little like like Chinese person you know that uh-huh. had like a little body shape like oh, this yeah. and then it had like a little cap that was kind of like a little like a little hat mm-hmm. like a like a, a chinese hat and uh and then they would just kind of like pop the cap like this and then use the little setting and it was one one uh, amount for like one time styling oh, so then they would they would throw away this this little container and so i would take it yeah. uh, i had these little <laughs> containers and uh and i and i just love them because of the shape i thought they looked like little people and i and i collected them uh so that that was just fascinating and any other little bottle that they used that they put on her hair i would take it and and i would collect little bottles Mm -hmm. because they were all different shapes and sizes and things and i thought that they were fascinating to to me uh, anyways, and then at home I would like put different color liquids on them and 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 look at them. And, mm-hmm. I don't know. You're you know, in you're like, you're in good that. company with the bottle collection. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, very um, much. it's one of the things where like if I see something that is in one in cute packaging, a cute bottle or a cute color, I, I cannot walk away from it. Like I have all these little tins like there's one over here that I have that somebody sent to me that had like three chocolates in it. Will I throw it away? Probably never. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm I am the exact same way of if it's yeah. cute. Uh, yeah yeah it's it's just something about cute and tiny Mm -hmm. yeah it was tiny and to me it was kind of fascinating looking because it didn't it looked like a toy you know it Uh looked like a toy at that time to me because it kind of looked like a little person so Mm -hmm. 
I, I thought this is really cute. I, I want it. You know, I don't, you know, they, they would just throw it away. So I just, I just took them. Right. There was right. nothing better than like a free something. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and especially from like, it, you know, when you're little, you view like older people, like they're almost like God-like superhero, like. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's in, in their hair. I mean, I, I wanted that hair so bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's like, I, you know, this short kinky hair and, and all these women with this like long luscious locks or, mm-hmm. or the updos with all these curls going like this and like uh. this kind of thing. That. My mom used to get it done like this. Um, it's like I, I could never even even approach that mm-hmm. but i thought it was the most glamorous thing in the world you know uh, and my my grandma always had a bob you know kind of like a, a short mm-hmm. bob so she would just kind of style it like that with little bangs and this and she always had it like that she always wore it like that yeah and especially i mean she would have what she was born probably in the early 1900s yeah, yeah. So she she took that you know that, that same uh, you know the the bob style from the the flapper era and mm-hmm. she kept it. She know? just she, ran with it. She's like this. Yeah, is it. She ran with it. That that she she never changed her hair. She always wore like that. <laughs> I love that. Like, yeah, it was her favorite period maybe, and then she always yeah. wore it. That mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, she never changed her hairstyle. That's one thing about my grandma. She always wore the same. Yeah, same with my grandmother. Yeah, mine, she said yeah. both mine did yeah. too. I had one yeah. that wore a beehive, and then my other grandma had curly hair, and it was always up. Yeah, my oh, grandma's okay. always had just like the short cropped, like um, the half bang that's kind of feathered over. Oh, okay. Just like okay. I don't know, regular old lady hair. <laughs> I know. I know. Like, <laughs> but she, doesn't, she doesn't get it set. She curls it with an iron, but it's a hundred percent white. Oh yeah, so it's beautiful. Oh, wow, it's so yeah, pretty. Yeah, always kept it brown. She always dyed it brown. Always, so it's always brown. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and my mom had darker hair, like black black hair, mm-hmm. um, but very sleek and all this kind of stuff going on. So it was, uh, yeah, definitely. I liked everybody else's hair except for mine. <laughs> right, yeah, that's. Yeah. I think that's a pretty common like uh, thread to admire everything else for sure. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So um, did you grow up like outside of collecting these little bottles and cute little things? Did you collect any other like antiques like in your early teens and twenties? Did you start uh, to look for other stuff like that? I, I always uh, liked interesting things. So if I saw something that caught my eye, I would get it because I thought it was interesting. So mm-hmm. I collected different pieces because I thought they were interesting. Uh, but it wasn't like any cohesive collection of anything it was just something that maybe caught my eye yeah. and i would i would get it because i thought so it could be a piece of jewelry it could be you know um, anything really a, a box of something that i thought was really neat and i and i you know i i got it because i liked the box or something something like that but but it, yeah i wasn't necessarily like one kind of mm-hmm. thing that i collect um yeah, at one point I actually collected TV Guide covers for some reason because I don't know why I started collecting TV Guide covers, but I did. So I had hundreds of them because oh. I guess my parents had subscription to TV mm-hmm. Guide or something. So we always had the TV Guide, and uh, and I and I you know since the actors were on the cover, it was you know like the the actors that were popular at uh-huh. the time. Uh, I would just take the cover off and then and then started collecting the covers. So I had hundreds of these 
covers. I, <laughs> I don't know why I started collecting them, but I, I ended up with a huge amount of uh, TV Guide covers. Well, I, I love that. I think that's such a, like, we well, are magpie collectors, too. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a, is it interesting? Is it shiny? Is it something I don't see a lot yeah. of? Yeah. I'm that's very how sorry. Yeah, the shows, you know, because the most popular show would be on the cover. Yeah. So, you know, when you look back on it, it tells you kind of what the popular shows were during all those periods. Because if you look at the cover, it, it tells you who was popular and what they looked like and everything. So it's, it's kind of cool as a historical. Uh-huh. Well, at the time, you know, like it was one of those things where you didn't think the TV guide was ever going to be obsolete. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I yeah. remember every week my sister and I would run to the mailbox right. trying to and be then the first pour one to get over it. it to see what you were yeah. going to watch and so you didn't miss it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, well, there was no other way to know because it wasn't really published anywhere unless you got the paper on Sunday, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Right. And yeah. Like the, the paper mostly had like what the movies were going to be. Yeah. 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 It wasn't yeah. the shows or like the specials. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. around Christmas, yeah. how they always oh, had the, like uh-huh. the specials yeah. that came out and... yeah you kind of needed it you needed the tv guide there was no way to know what you were going to see and, and what was worth seeing yeah there was no flipping through the channels while you no, were this is such no. a like a nostalgic moment i haven't thought about the tv guide in such a long time because <laughs> my grandparents got the tv guide we yeah didn't it, but... and, I, and i and i love that I had like the magnum pi cover uh-huh. and the love boat cover and the fantasy island Cover, oh. all these you know, yes. and it's it just, I don't know. I, I, after a while, you know, I had put them away, but, and then you pull them back and look and you go, wow, all these pe- all these shows and people was kind of interesting. Uh, uh, all this, uh, It's know. almost like time capsule Kind of, yeah. yes. Because there was yeah. so much aesthetic of the current day in a TV guide for that week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, when I first started collecting, you know, I didn't have a ton of money and I would look through like ephemera at antique stores and there was lots of antique stores that they had the same thing. They have, they would have pages of like the Washington post or, uh, good housekeeping women's day, Mm -hmm. like from the thirties and forties. And I would pick through them every time I went to the antique store because they were only like one or $2 a piece and you could Uh make, you could frame them and they were beautiful. Mm Mm-hmm artwork old advertising is oh yeah oh it's, of... it's oh yeah oh yeah i i have a lot of, of vogue magazines and other magazines of different periods too just for reference and mm-hmm. yeah all the all the advertising in there and all the fashion shoots are, are gorgeous mm-hmm. i mean they're yeah. so so pretty a lot of inspiration i get from all those things you know from looking looking at the styling and the things yeah um, especially when i do uh, decade specific or time specific pieces I, I look to all of these as for references and I wanted you know I've, I've listened to a ton of your stuff over the past couple of weeks and I was like they people kind of ask you the same questions but there's the questions that I want to ask that go like yeah. beyond the facade of Bessame which yeah. is if without revealing too many industry secrets what is your process like? So when you find something that is no longer made, it's an old pigment, you see yeah. it, like, does your brain just start rolling through? Because you have a design background, you don't have a chemist background, correct? Right, right, right. I had to learn chemistry along the way because, I, yeah. you know, it's kind of necessary. But I know I didn't start out knowing it. No, my, my background is more in design. 
uh, and photography too. I, I have a degree in photography. So, um, so I have some chemistry because the, when I studied photography, it was all hand done. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, had, I had chemistry um, to develop all kinds of film because you had to do it by hand mm-hmm. back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So even color film and black and white and the whole thing. Uh, uh, but now, nowadays, uh, it, now it's kind of like it's like an art form if you do that. Yeah, and, yeah. You do film. Yeah. Actually, does it does it anymore like that? But uh, but anyways, I um, well when I when I find something old, uh, the first thing that I look at, like if it's a lipstick, for example, if it's a color I already have, or if it's similar to one I already have, because I have so many now that. Um, that I kind of have to check it against the ones that I already made, you know, so that I don't make another one that's exactly the same because there was a lot of colors that were very similar at Mm -hmm, the time. mm -hmm. So the first thing I have to do is see if I already have this shade, you know, but if it's a totally completely new shade, um, then I have to check to see if it's actually accurate to what it looked like during that period, because obviously um, different formulas age in different ways. Mm -hmm. So, uh, some products stay uh, very true to what they look like, uh, you know, 50 years ago or 100 years ago, because the pigments are still, you know, the same and they don't degrade right. uh, over mm-hmm. time. Uh, but others do, you know, other other pigments that they use uh, do degrade over time. So so when you look at it, it's no longer the color that it was before. It's like a faded or it's white or whatever. Mm. Uh, and you might have seen some lipsticks if you collected yeah. or saw yeah. ones. They look completely white mm-hmm. or, or kind of like two color or several colors or something like that. It's because, you know, yeah, those those colorants um, are no longer valid. They, they expired basically and they they don't look like they used to look wow. anymore. Huh. Uh, they oxidize. Yeah, yeah. that's mm-hmm. it's super interesting to me. Like I um, love the science side of hairdressing and the chemistry side of hairdressing. <laughs> so when I re- realized your background was not in chemistry, I was like, "How the hell did she stumble through this doorway?" <laughs> <laughs> just because I'm curious. That's yeah. why. Yeah, I'm just curious. I've always been super curious, you know, about everything. So uh, whenever I'm curious, I just want to find out more stuff. I start. With mm-hmm. one thing, and I start digging and digging and digging. <laughs> so, so I start going to a rabbit hole of stuff, and and that's what happened with cosmetics. I started down this rabbit hole, and I just kind of kept kept digging, right. basically. Um, so, so when I when the pigments are gone bad, obviously, then I have to look for uh, advertisements or rep, color references from that period where I could see if the color is the same or the color is wow. different from what it was. Um, but it's really hard because everything after so many years has been altered somehow, mm-hmm. you know. So a lot of the times um, it's difficult. I have to do a lot of sleuthing, you yeah. know. Yeah. That out. Uh, sometimes I end up going to archives of studios, archives of things to dig out and see if they have wow. anything that's more accurate, mm-hmm. like inks or, uh, or, you know, even requisition and purchasing forms from when they filmed certain yeah. things. Oh, my god! So I know what, where they bought it and who they bought it from. So I can tell what color it was that that manufacturer made at that time. Oh, and maybe man. I can find another one of those. Oh my god. You are <laughs> so, speaking my language. You're like the Indiana Jones of makeup. <laughs> yes. The Carmen Sandiego and Indiana Jones. <laughs> yes. Of makeup. Yes, yes. 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 But it's so much fun. I mean, I, I just... 
I, because I, I get to see things that a lot of people haven't seen. Like I, when I, you know, went to Disney and I started working with them and I did Snow White, you know, they, that movie was made in 1937 mm -hmm. or, you know, 1936 that they started. They took them a couple of few years to make that movie. Uh, so it's really, really early. It was the first movie they ever did. Most uh, of the stuff they were doing, they hadn't done before. So they were kind of like trial and erroring a bunch of stuff. Um, when you look at the movie now, you don't know, you don't notice a lot of things. Yeah. But if you go back and actually look at original things like original uh, drawings or original cells, which I, I had one, I found one, they and I actually saw it in person. Wow. And, uh, uh, and I actually have the inks. I, they actually keep all the inks for every movie they've ever done. Whoa. So they had inks from 1937. So I was able to get the colors, the original colors from those inks. Oh my so gosh. I knew they were correct. And they don't look anything like they look in the movie. Right. Uh, oh my which gosh. Is because the movie's been remastered so many uh -huh. times that those colors have nothing to do with the colors with the way they used to look. But, um, but if you look at those original cells, they're rough, really, really, really rough. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you look at the lines, it, you know, you could see the the lead or, or the, the paint and the, the streaks in it yeah. and all that stuff. So there's a lot of hand done kind of like, you know, stuff in there that um that makes it uh, so much more interesting than this very polished mm -hmm. you know kind mm -hmm. of finished work but snow white was gritty really really gritty and, yeah. and that was uh that was the fascinating part uh, uh because she was you know snow white was one of my favorites when i was little because she looked the most like me basically yeah. in that dark hair and short and curly and that so um so she she was kind of my favorite princess when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. And and to see all these kind of inside uh, things of how this was actually done was just so fascinating for me because I've been a fan so, so many years. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. This things was just, you know, magical for, for me. I was like stoked. Oh, my gosh. I, I love the librarians over there and the archive people and everything. Uh, so I, I, every time I go there, I just have a blast. <laughs> I, yeah, that is, there's, I was talking to our editor the other day and we were talking about how when we finish watching a movie, the next thing we go to is the special features and the bonus stuff mm -hmm. yeah. because I like to flip something upside down and look at all of the, everything that goes into it. Yeah. And yeah. the makeup and the hair and the special effects and I, the, to be able to go to Disney and have like look at what's like secret is just so cool it's it's so fun it's so fun and i've done it with universal and i've done it with uh all these different places that that let me go in there and have my fill you know uh and and it's really so cool it's so so cool because uh you know just looking through hitchcock's you know original oh, forms original like you know all their purchasing forms and their stuff you know it's like it's kind of like the behind behind of, of these movies and, mm -hmm. uh, and you get so much uh, kind of uh, information on process on how, how this stuff was actually done. Um, it's fascinating. It's just really fascinating. Uh, and, and I, I'm just lucky that I ended up, you know, doing this because for me, it kind of like ticks off every box of the stuff I like, which mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm curious and I'm creative and I'm analytical and I'm, I'm all these things. Mm -hmm. So all, all the stuff that I'm doing is kind of, um, it's like the epitome of everything that I love yeah. to do. You know? yeah. yeah. 
You're our kind of gal. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. 100%. 100%. Did they ever have to like gently kick you out? Like, it's time to go now. Like, you oh, know, yeah. you've been here. Yeah, long yeah. Enough. Yeah, they, do. Well, they, get, they give you a certain amount of time. And, you know, <laughs> and they go, okay, did you get what you needed? And it's like, <laughs> you're like, five more minutes. Five I more know. minutes. <laughs> I'm almost done. Yeah. Just looking for yeah. one more thing. I know. Yeah. It, it just, uh, and they uh, they're very nice though they're very nice to me I, I really uh, appreciate because they don't have to you know they really don't uh, because the archive people there they they do their own thing right uh, they, their own department and uh, and uh, and they have like ultimate power really they can just say no uh, mm-hmm. we don't have that. or we you can't see that. It's not available, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and they can say that to anybody, right. you know, it doesn't matter what company it is that goes asking. They, if they don't want to, they can just say no, uh, you know? Yeah. Uh, it, it's just like, they really do. They, they have a lot of, lot of power. Uh, uh, and, uh, but, but they're, they're very gracious to me because I think uh, they, they know that I appreciate these things mm-hmm. as much as they do. You know, that I have a reverence for them as much as they do. Mm-hmm. I'm not just trying to exploit them, you know, to make a fast dollar like a lot of people mm-hmm. would. Uh, so so they, um, they they really allow me a lot of liberties because of that. Because, yeah. because I think we see eye to eye on a lot of mm-hmm. things. And, um, it's it's kind of neat. I really enjoy working with them quite yeah, a bit. You, you fully respect the artistry that the designers of those films put into creating. Oh yeah, I mean everything: the color schemes, the palettes, everything oh, that goes yeah. into a film. They know oh, it's yeah. not going to be kind of bastardized in your hands. Right, right, and and I think that's the difference of what we do when and when we work with any collaborations is that we. We try to bring the real things out, mm. and really with a respect for the properties and the in the either the films or the people that are involved, so that uh, what we make is kind of an homage to it. It's not it's not a you know a kind of an exploitation mm-hmm. of, of 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 what was done in the past. You know? Yeah. I want to ask before we get into like the making of Besame, I want to, because the way makeup was made in the early 1900s, even to the seventies, the ingredients that were used, you know, like a lot of things we found out were not so great to put on your face or your mouth or your eyes. But those things were also very important in uh, pigment makeup and the colors that were being made. Do you find it difficult to mimic some of those colors because of the ingredients they were processed with? All the time. Uh, All the time. That's one of my main problems with a lot of things because, uh, because a lot of the colors they used to make were made with things that are poisonous or, or, you know, mm-hmm. use, you know, obviously mm-hmm. don't use them anymore. Like, uh, for example, vermilion, yeah. vermilion is a beautiful red, but you, you really shouldn't put it <laughs> on your face. Uh, but they, they did, they, they had, you know, they had the rouge and, and things that, that, that were made with vermilion. And, um, it's, it's a bright, bright, you know, red color. It's a beautiful color, but, uh, it's hard to get now with synthetic, pigments um, or natural pigments mm-hmm. that are not uh, dangerous because it's just not, it, it's not as bright and it's not as red. You know, a lot of the 
synthetics uh, in the reds um, tend to be pink because synthetic mm -hmm. reds tend to have a pink under undertone. So all the reds are going to have a pink pink base, really, because because that's what the pigment looks like in in effect. Uh, so it's very hard to get a, a red that's red underneath. Yeah. You know, that's not pink. It's still red. Mm -hmm. You know, so it looks like natural lips, you know, like yeah. your lips would be, which is kind of more of a peachy red instead of a pinky red mm -hmm. that is more artificial looking. So uh, the way they did that is they use natural pigments, but some of the natural ones we can't use anymore or people have issues with them. Like, for example, carmine. Carmine is a, is, is, is a pigment that they used all the time. Um, it's uh, it comes from a beetle from the from the wings of a beetle the the shell of yeah they're beetle. crushed down into the pigment right yes and 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 it has this really bright red pigment you know it, it, when when the the shell is dried and ground up it's like really red, bright bright red uh, but but the red it because it's it's natural it comes from a living organism in, in that it, it's not pink underneath it's red it, mm -hmm. it has a it has you know like your blood you know it has a, a, a reddish undertone like you know like a, a little more violety <laughs> Peachy, you know, oh, like yeah. oh, okay. red, mm -hmm. you know, so so red that's more like a blood color mm -hmm. instead of um, that, that always tends to the warm side instead of the cools, you know, and and that red does carmine does can, carmine can do that if you use it. Um, but because, uh, you know, it is organic and it's natural now, it's very expensive. It's more expensive than any other pigment. So a lot of companies don't use it. Number one, because it's really expensive, and then number two, if they want to be vegan, then they can't, right? Because mm -hmm. because it wouldn't be vegan if you use that pigment. But it's a beautiful pigment, and some colors you can't achieve without that because mm -hmm. it wouldn't look like the original shade, no matter what I did, if you didn't put that in it because because you can't get that shade without it, you know. Well, and you run into a little bit more like regulatory issues because you manufacture in California, right? Yes. And oh, yeah. so you have a lot more of uh, ingredients that are heavily regulated in California that aren't regulated like a state over. Yes. Which yes. creates everything. even more trouble. Oh, everything, everything. They just put a bunch of new regulation here in California that has to do with fragrances. Now, any any kind of fragrance that you put on a product it has to be registered with the state. Uh, so it's it's going to be a lot more difficult to have uh, any kind of fragrance or even make fragrances here because um, because they, they they have more regulations on, on fragrance and the percentages of fragrance and what you can put or not put or all this stuff. So so yeah, California is, is uh, especially difficult to, to manufacture in. Um, and also for anything uh, uh, that is uh, volatile, it's very hard to manufacture here, mm -hmm. like nail polish and things like this. Anything that has solvents in it, very, very difficult to manufacture here because of uh, EPA and yeah. all these mm -hmm. regulations. Yeah. Well, does that affect, so say, not that you would, but hypothetically, if you were to move manufacturing out of the state of California, you probably mm -hmm. still would be able to retail those products in California? Right, it would be the same issue yeah. because, because wow. you, once you, you, yeah, once you bring them in, you would still be have to be compliant to all the regulations of the state. And do yeah. you try to be compliant worldwide? 
Oh, yes, because we have a lot of people that buy from Europe and in Mexico and other places. So we do have to be compliant to pretty much everybody and everybody has different laws. Mm -hmm. So when I that's another thing that I have to look at whenever we start a project that um, that our ingredients are going to be compliant with everybody, you know, that takes out a bunch of ingredients depending on what countries you want to include. Yeah, I had I used to work for a hair care company as an educator and they were a global company. And that was one of the questions we would get from like European or Mexico or Canada. They would they would ask, like, why is it this product here? And it's like, well, does it fall under your guidelines for safe or whatever? And so they started as before I left the company, they were moving more towards being globally produced and like being globally able to distribute. Right. And then there's a lot of companies, which I'm sure you see in cosmetics that are only sold in the United States for that reason, because it's either they're an indie brand and they can't afford to have the the ability to manufacture things worldwide. Yes. Yeah. It it is very difficult and it's becoming more difficult. It has become more difficult with all of this trade uh, issues that Mm. we have going on. It's become very, very difficult now because Mm -hmm. uh, because because of what actions that we did in our government, every other country did the same. Yeah. So yeah. now there's regulations everywhere and tariffs everywhere. And, and that, so it's very, very difficult um, to trade uh, not now uh, with a lot of different people because um, everybody kind of, you know, put the same regulations on their end as we put on our end. Right. So now it's, it's, uh, it's a lot harder uh, to trade. Yeah, I imagine it's it's a little bit of a nightmare the last couple yeah. of years to do. Yeah, with everything that's going on, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, to put it lightly, yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I, I have this image that I came across, and I can't remember if it was something you guys used to offer in your store. Uh-huh. So you can tell me if I'm wrong. Do you guys yeah. hand blend powders and things in your store? Was that something you've done before? No, we, we used to be able to, yes, we used to put them in containers and sell them, but we, we can't do that anymore, uh, obviously, for a lot of reasons. And one of them being you can't touch anything, you can't do anything. So there's not, none of that. There's not even testing right now. Product testing is not allowed here wow. either. So we can't have people test product, uh, basically, unless unless they're like in a sachet, like our creams, we uh-huh. put in sachets. So we give people sachets and they can, you know, try them at home or whatever, mm-hmm. but we can't, we can't really have people try on makeup sure, in stores anymore. It, I, it's, it's, uh, it's very difficult. Very, very di- the, the girls try really hard at the store. They're doing a great job to try and still keep some kind of interaction with the customer, sure. mm-hmm. but it's, um, but it's, it's, it's quite quite difficult right now with all the the uh, regulations and all the, the requirements that we have uh, going on so uh, we'll see we'll see how this develops but right. I- I'm sure this will linger though because people will still probably be afraid yeah. of things yeah so um, so yeah so we have to see how we're gonna be creative about testing and how we're gonna yeah, get that going. I I talk about this a lot because the same woman that told me the casket hair story, she also had polio as a child. And so she had a lot of idiosyncrasies from having polio. And Mm -hmm. she was like, I think 90 years old when she died, Mm -hmm. but she was like, went to uh, Utah to have surgery in 
the 40s oh, when she had wow. polio or whatever polio came oh, through the area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she wow. still had, at 90 years old, like she washed every single piece of produce that came into her house with soap and water. Wow. And she washed mm-hmm. bananas, even though they came in a thing, like everything she did. And it makes like I and I don't know about you guys, but like when I'm watching stuff on TV now and it's like a group scene, I instantly kind of get <laughs> a little panicked. Yeah. Because I'm like, yeah. they're all so close together. <laughs> what yes. They, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, so it's it's kind of like change. I think it's going to change behavior because we've been doing this for so long that now that fear um, trigger is going to mm-hmm. remain with people for a very long time. Mm-hmm. So I think um, I think we have to take a lot of precautions and 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 change the way we do things so that we um, we you know can assuage all those fears as yeah. people come into a store setting mm-hmm. so that they're not afraid that somebody else touched this or this is contaminated or right. whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so we have to get very creative with 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 testing and and stores at this point. Yeah. It's changed. Yeah. Jill's a nurse by trade and yeah. I'm here. Huh? Okay. And it's changed. It's changed my job exponentially. Also, you know, we're still open here, but it's like uh, everything that was out that was like self-serve is gone. You know, there's not yeah. as many waxing services. Like mm-hmm. it's all very like compartmentalized beauty. Right. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You have yeah. to like tighten yeah. it yeah. down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we're 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 completely locked down over here. There's nothing. Yeah, they just isn't that they yeah. just did that this last week, yeah. right? Yeah, they did it again. Yeah, it was already it, it was slowly coming back. Like people could have outdoor services. Like so, even my my next door neighbor at our shop is a, is a nail salon, mm-hmm. and so they 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 had set up a tent in the back parking lot, and they were doing manicures in the parking lot. Uh. <laughs> uh, you know, necessity. Yeah, you, know, you got to do what you got to do. You know what are you gonna do? And uh, and even now, that is not allowed anymore because they they just completely locked it down again. So it's 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 really hard. It's been yeah. really, really hard on our small businesses here mm-hmm. to uh, to keep going because uh, because you you can't operate in all our small restaurants in in the area that I have my shop. All of those, you know, it's only takeout. You can't eat there. And a lot of these people, you know, they're not set up for takeout right. yeah. uh, food. So it, it's, a, it's a blow to yeah. a lot of it. Mm-hmm. California is going to probably be uh, depressed for, for a while because so many, so many things. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. are, it's going to be hard to recover. Right. Yeah. Well, and like we, you know, we were, I was locked down for 10 weeks. I couldn't work. And I've had clients, you know, as they come back and they ask, you know, like, well, what are you, what are you going to do if they lock down again? And I was like, I don't know that I'll come back to hairdressing. Cause yeah. I'm like, I, at a, at, at one point it's like self-preservation and it's like, if I'm going to be unemployed for 10 more weeks, I'm going to get a job like, a, yeah. yeah, because I, I, you can't, you can't do it over and over and over again. Yeah, no, a lot of my makeup artists, uh, the friends that I that I know from the industry have changed careers. Yeah, People have been makeup artists for like 20 years, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and uh, it just there's no work. So they had to yeah. go into nonprofits or something, yeah. you know, so something to, to get work. So amazing, just amazing the stuff that's going on right now. Mm-hmm. Very talented people that, that have been in the industry for doing movies and all kinds of stuff for many, many years had to completely, you know, turn turn themselves around to something else, um, which is kind of, it's really hard Mm -hmm. for somebody who's older 
to do this. It's I think right. it's, it's very very difficult. Yeah, you know? yeah. Especially you know like if they're working in the union. Yeah, in, in the entertainment yeah. industry, mm-hmm. it, that creates yeah. a whole other mess of logistics. That oh yes, yeah, yes. yeah. That that's what we're seeing here because a lot of uh, people that I know that I've worked with in the past, you know, uh, advising them on makeup for different mm-hmm. movies and TV, um, they they're they're all out of work. They're mm-hmm. still filming uh, on, unless they're filming out of state. Some some of them have gone out of state to film some yeah. things. In other states, they are filming uh, outside and things like that. So some of them have been, but but only a few, you know, the rest of them are, are just unemployed. Yeah. And the Broadway, all my Broadway people, too, oh, are yeah. just, mm-hmm. just really, I, you know, all the makeup designers for Broadway shows and this, mm-hmm. uh, again, uh, just not, not doing anything. Yeah, it's devastating. It's absolutely devastating. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. Very, very, very difficult. I, yeah. And I swear... If I ever have to live through so much change in the world again, I'm just going to move to the mountains and live off grid. There you go. <laughs> I don't want to live through another major world shift. Yeah. Whoever's in charge, take note of this, please. We're kind of over it. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's why we're all moving into more simple things, you know, and that's mm-hmm. why I think the trend towards um, more simple streamlined things uh, is probably going to continue yeah. on it is because, you know, people have not done their routines for a long time. You know, mm-hmm. if you used to put on all this makeup and things because you went into an office, you surely didn't go into an office. So you're yeah. not wearing all this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not wearing all these clothes. You're not wearing a lot of makeup and stuff. So I, I think, um, I think people, might not go entirely back to what they were doing a hundred percent because yeah. it's okay not to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they continue to work and get their stuff. Maybe they will not do it, you know, uh, and not take the time to do all of that. So I, I think, um, I think, uh, our consumer behaviors will, will change. Oh, 100%. Yeah, like sure. I, I was a lipstick girl. Like I always wore lipstick to work yeah. and was always like fully done up you know, behind the chair. And then when this all happened, I was like, oh, this is kind of silly to do that much with a mask on. And I always wear like winged liner. And when I first did my winged liner to go back to work, it looked like somebody in preschool had done it. It was, (laughs) I was like, oh, I've fallen out of practice. Uh, But that's probably the one thing I miss the most is wearing bright colored lipsticks to work. Yes, yes. And my brain has shifted into like, what's it like? It's almost like everything feels imaginary and there's no rules anymore. Like if I want to wear a black lipstick, I'm just going to wear a black lipstick because it's 2020. And also who cares anymore? (laughs) Yeah, no, I I know exactly how you feel. I mean, I I, and and it's really hard with lipstick because lipstick is such a like uh, when you're used to wearing it, when you don't have it on, you feel naked. Yeah. Like something missing in my face. Yeah, is not- so I don't have a mouth when I don't <laughs> have know? lipstick. Yeah, on. I don't have a mouth. You yeah. Know? yeah. And, and I'm not a nude girl. I don't, I don't, I can't do nudes. Mm-hmm. I have to use color. I, I, I don't like nudes. Well, uh, you and I are very similarly complected like this light. You yeah. can't, but I am very fair yeah. with rosy undertones. So nudes on me make me look like I'm kind of sick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Me, me too. Me, me too. And purples too. You know, mm-hmm. I, I can't do, even though like forever, I, I, everybody, you know, everything I read is like, well, you have 
you know, brown eyes, you should really try purple. And it's like, I hate purple. <laughs> purple just like looks purple. like veins on me. It yeah, just looks it's, like it's veins. Like I have a bruise yes. or something, you know, it's just not very good on, on me. It's never been. Um, but it's kind of, it's kind of that what they used to say in the eighties, like every day. Oh, well you you have brown eyes, do purple. Uh, this yes. like, purple is your color. It's like, no, it's not my color. No. Uh, but, but that's what they used to uh, say. But, but yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting. It's, it's hard wearing a mask when, when the, your, you know, your signature thing is wearing some lip color and mm-hmm. nobody can actually see it. Um, so, so yeah, it's like you don't want to wear it because then it gets all over the mask. So there's no point. It's so bad. On. When you yeah, take yeah. it off, you get in your car and you're like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> foundation it, it, and lipstick. Yeah, foundation, everything on there. You, you really can't wear anything. Like, why bother wear anything under, yeah. like, yeah. down? Exactly. Because, you're not, you know, you're not going to see it. Um, so it, it, I think it is going to change some some behavior like some people might not go back to, to wearing as much as they did before i'm, I'm hoping that people um uh, simplify their routine yeah. so it's not such a chore you know it, it shouldn't be a chore it should be something uh easy and that you don't really um have to spend a lot of time unless you like to do this you know yeah. something that you enjoy and you go okay well i like to sit there for an hour and play with my makeup and- <laughs> yeah put on, you know, four different kinds of shadow and uh-huh. stuff. I mean, if you enjoy that, that's great. Um, and I know, you know, my daughter likes doing this and her friends, you know, all these kids, the, all the kids, you know, that are 18, 19 year olds and, and that they all like all this, you know, experimental. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They did not go through the awkward, ugly duckling phase. No, they're all no. kind of like master, even six, seven year olds. Yeah. Yes. Like, yeah. I, I get moms coming into the shop. They have young girls, you know, and they go, my daughter's better at eyeliner than I am. It's you rude. know, she yeah. can, it's, she I can don't, do the thing better than me. Fair. It's and not fair. Six or seven. You yeah. know, it's like, wow, we, you know, they start really, really young. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Really? I like, I had, when I got into makeup, there was like blue eyeshadows, yeah. white and black pen like pencil liner that you heated up with a lighter because for some reason we all believed it made it better (laughs) yes yes i remember that yeah Yeah, it was a way to get it to run really because it was so hard because it would like drag across your eye like you heated it and it kind of like went on god what were we doing I, I don't know. We're trying new things. I don't know. Yeah. It's definitely yeah. it's my my whole beauty routine changed. Like going back yeah. to work. Like now it's like a light foundation, concealer, a cream blush because my skin's yeah. changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shadow and oh, liner. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think uh I, I think all of our skin I think has changed. I mean, I, I've noticed like a lot more dryness mm-hmm. uh, in the skin too, oh, yeah. and from wearing these these this mask too, you get you you get like either you you get uh, breakouts mm-hmm. or just like extreme dryness because you mm-hmm. don't get like breathing on the skin or something. Right. So like dryness and flakiness. Yeah, and depending on what your mask material is made out of, yeah. is gonna like yeah. wick moisture from your skin and your natural yeah. oils. Yeah. And yes. then of if you didn't have a skincare routine. And you're doing yes. that every day. Your skin's like, what is happening to me? I know. Yeah. No, I've noticed that I'm wearing a way more moisturizer than I used to uh, mm. use uh, because of this. Uh, so a lot of people, I think, are going to go towards those things and like maybe do t- 
tinted moisturizers yeah. and like this and uh and but you know the simplification is good because i think i think we went way too much on the other mm -hmm. direction and i think we need to um do that all the way around and like like really look at what's important all the way around yeah. in our lives yeah, yeah, really. yeah. and then sure. take out any extraneous stuff that is not really that important you mm -hmm. know uh, yeah that that's kind of the see. theme of 2020 isn't it the thinning yeah. out all the nonsense nonsense yeah whether you and wanted to or not yeah, there's so much nonsense. <laughs> you know? I, I think I think we needed to do that. You know, yeah. if there's any silver lining to this, is maybe that will kind of get more self-aware mm. and uh, figure exactly what we want, yeah, uh, not want. Uh, because you know, a lot of people ask me, it's like, what? You know, is it hard to do this? Can can I start my own business? It's like, yeah, you you can. You know, anybody can. If I can, anybody can. Because I. I, I was, I started inadvertently. I didn't even want to start a business. I just kind of like made this because I like making stuff, you yeah. know, I, but I had no intention. I didn't know who was going to buy it. I didn't even know anybody was going to buy it. So, so really I had no market research, no nothing. I mean, I just kind of <laughs> like, you know, uh, just everything you shouldn't do, I, I do. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, so, so if I, if I got through it, you know, I think anybody can, but, but it, it's, uh, I think people and especially younger people don't realize how much work is involved mm -hmm, in actually mm -hmm. running a company. Yeah. It, it's not, it's not uh, easy and it's not part-time, you know what no. I mean? It's not something that you can do kind of like on the side. It's not a side hustle type of thing. It really isn't. I mean, you can drive an Uber as a side hustle, but you can't run a company as a no. side hustle. I started, yeah, I learned that when I was 19. I started my own business, hairdressing, booth renting okay. at 19, knowing nothing wow. about it. Mm -hmm. And I get girls that come and they'll shadow what I'm doing and they are like, oh my God, I would just love to do hair all day and do this yeah. and do that. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to tell you right now that <laughs> that goes away very quickly that it, like I love what I do every day and I love going to work every day it never feels like a job but there's so much more that goes on behind the scenes of running a business like you said and working with the public as a huge part of your business oh yeah because oh, you yeah. have to like you have to deal with shitty people that maybe you wouldn't really like because they're you know paying your bills and you get mm -hmm. to a point then you move past that but it's a lot of like public relations without the person you're dealing with looking at you in that sense of like a corporate sense. It sounds, I don't know, maybe harsher than it is, but, and I'm like, and you don't, I'm like, you don't have health insurance. You don't have paid time off. You don't, you don't have any of that. And I said, and then when you're pregnant and you're working, then you have to think about that. And they're yeah. just like, then their eyes get really big and they just look at me and I was like, Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. To real yeah, act that reality at you. Yeah. Yeah, nobody wants to think about that, but you, you don't know you you're on your own. You know, if you if you run a company, you're on your own. Really, mm -hmm. you you have to be the one that solves everything. And there's problems coming at you like twenty four seven. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, and and you're the only one that's gonna solve them. So yeah. it's like there's nobody gonna rescue you. Nobody's gonna you know. There's no nothing. You know, there's not not unemployment. There's not you know sick leave and mm -hmm. if you're sick, you better get over it quick mm -hmm. because yeah. nobody else is there. Yeah, yeah. The world it, keeps turning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So it's not like uh, it, it's not like a job that you can put away at five o'clock and say, okay, I'm uh, I'm done. I'm gonna go have fun and I'm done. 
it, it doesn't work like that. You yeah. know, you're you're in charge all the time, and if there's a problem, you've got to solve it. Right. It, mm-hmm. Not it's not like you could just leave it. And and I I don't think uh, kids understand that part of it. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't understand the the type of dedication that it takes to 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 have a business. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's not for everybody. It really isn't. You know, if if you if you can't handle risk, uh, mm-hmm. if you if things if losing money bothers you, <laughs> <laughs> walk away. Yeah, walk away. Yeah. <laughs> Because because it is you're not always going to gain, you're going to lose. You know, um, that's just the name of the game. Yeah. It, you are because you make mistakes or you make the wrong decision and you're gonna lose. Um and, and if you if that will destroy you, then don't do this mm-hmm. because you can't you can't uh, it's not a good idea. It's not something that's suited to your personality. No. You know? Yeah, no. one of the best bits of advice that felt like a backhand at the time. <laughs> was I was going to different salons and there's this kind of thing where salons don't want to hire new beauty school people for a multitude of reasons because it's then it becomes real world and I was sitting down across from the salon owner and she looked at me and she said I just want you to know that there is never going to be a bus full of people that show up for you to do their hair like when you're first starting like there's never going to be a line of people waiting to sit in your chair and I was like, oh, she goes, family only goes so far. Friends only go so far. Mm-hmm. And then the rest has to be you. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it's just stayed with me of like, you can't rely on other people to perpetuate your own success. Mm-hmm. And you have to be willing to lose like everything a little bit to really like l- propel what you're trying to do. If you're truly passionate about it. And I'm sure you're on the same page as like passion is 90% of your business. 10% mm-hmm. is having the business know-how. Right. Right. And and passion in a, in a way that 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 breeds perseverance mm-hmm. because really that's what you need. You need perseverance because uh if 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 uh discouragement kind of uh makes you quit, then definitely that that's not it's not the right because Boy, if I would have quit every time I was discouraged, I would have quit like the first year I was in right. business mm-hmm. because I was discouraged all the way around right. by everybody. You know, saying, "What the hell are you doing? This doesn't. This will never sell. This will work." This, you know, whatever. All these things. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if, if you need other people's approval, or you you um, you're easily discouraged, or, or that's the type of personality you are, then then you know your own business is is going to be devastating hard because uh i mean i i the girls at my store that you know they they go on tiktok and they put a tiktok and then they get like bad comments on it and they they're like devastated and cry Uh like like, how can you do this to me why can are you saying all these bad comments on this like you can't Mm -hmm. you you can't take that kind of stuff personally Mm -hmm. boy I, if I were to listen to everybody that had said stuff about me, forget, forget right. it. Right. You, yeah. you can't, you can't really, well, you, you have you to have go the, ahead. You yeah. Know? You have to yeah. remember, like you can pay no mind to the people that don't pay your bills. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, exactly. And there are so many people and we've all have been guilty of it, of what, whatever we wish we had and we envy in somebody else and we see them doing it. What looks like effortlessly. The first bit of human nature to come out is that envy and kind of yucky behavior yeah. 
but it's the mm-hmm. ability of growing past that and realizing that other people's success is also your success. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. shouldn't be bitter about somebody else's success. You should try and mentor and model it. Yeah. And that's, you know, the thing we, I'm grateful that I didn't really grow up. I grew up with the internet, but not like kids are now to yeah. where you can say just whatever you want, whatever. whatever you want. And it's funny or it's rude. And it's, then you forget about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's passing commentary, you know, on, on things. People, um, you know, kind of seem like they, they are allowed to mm-hmm. comment on everything and anything, even though they have no information, they know nothing about the situation, yeah. but they feel they can comment on anything mm-hmm. that is in front of them. Um, but that doesn't mean that you have to listen to it, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like, listen to, I, I do listen to consumers if they have concerns or if they, you know, if they have ideas, uh, anything that would improve what I'm doing. But negative comments just for negativity, I really don't mm-hmm. don't uh, don't pay too much attention to because they're, they're, they're not constructive. There's nothing I can learn from that. There's right. nothing I right. can improve from that, mm-hmm. um, you know. Uh, and, and, and that's, you know, in life, you can't please everybody no matter what I do. Some people will love it. Some people will hate me. And what 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 can I do about that? Right. I mean, mm-hmm. can't you know? Well, and you can't expect everybody to like you when you don't like everybody. Also, exactly. That's true. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I once I realized that I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I guess I'll just be that person's not like ever thing, and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Go on. And, and, and I mean, some people have different di- ways of thinking, and they're not. You know, if you do something that they consider, you know not correct they're 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 gonna turn off or say you know it, yeah they're not your target yeah you know how how dare you show me this gay person or you know mm-hmm. that, that kind of thing you know it's like there's people that will do things like this and you know obviously that bothers him they have a different worldview where mm-hmm. that's not acceptable yeah and that, I, yeah I, yeah i can't i can't you know if, if it offends you then don't don't watch what we're mm-hmm. doing you know? yeah uh, what can I can't change myself because they're they don't like it, or right? And it's you know, it's one of those things of like, um, tolerance doesn't cost you anything, mm-hmm. and learning about things that make you uncomfortable doesn't cost you anything. But mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm of the same thing of like, I won't, uh, I will not tolerate somebody's intolerance to things that are no issue. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like if somebody, anybody in the LGBTQI plus community or anything like that, like this, this is a safe space, like mm-hmm. anything like yeah. that. And you're, you know, the same way. It's like, it will just not be not even humored. Like if you don't feel aligned with these, then bye, go to the next place. Yeah. I mean, some people, you know, there are people that like our products that are very conservative and, and, uh, and whenever we, we uh, interview artists or, uh, do drag makeup or mm-hmm. anything uh, that that are in those communities. They they're offended by that mm-hmm. or they like it. Um, but I'm I'm going to continue to do it because I you know the, these people are friends of mine mm-hmm. and I admire their work. And uh, and as an artist, I'm looking at their work and I mm-hmm. admire their work and I think they do something very interesting. Right. Um, and. I'm not going to stop, you know, uh, doing what I do. Uh, if they don't like that, that then they can turn off. You know, right. Can, exactly. Well, the one thing too, that I, I get like a little heated about is we would not have the modern day makeup trends we have right now without drag Queens. 
Oh no. Oh no. Everything you see is. Yeah. Yeah. They, they do incredible things. I mean, uh, they, they, uh, the way they use makeup as a totally transformative um, Mm -hmm. tool is, is just incredible. It's Mm -hmm. really, it's really kind of, um, it it goes back to theater to like changing Mm -hmm. from one person to a totally different person or a different type of person or whatever. I mean, it's just, it's just kind of, um, it's like magic really. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, because, if you see it in person, it's just like, it's, it's mind blowing really mm-hmm. uh, how they can turn, you know, a man who's very masculine, very masculine yes. features, you know, and, and bone structure and a large man yeah. uh, into this towering looking woman. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just outrageously, uh, you know, it's just outrageous talent. You know, it's kind of like really, um, really, um, artistry really mm-hmm. yeah because it becomes more of an artist with a canvas yeah and that's yeah that's how when you watch a drag queen do their makeup it's art mm-hmm. it's yeah. mesmerizing it and, is yeah art. it's yeah. incredible it really is art. Uh, and i admire that as an artist you mm-hmm. know uh, so I, I admire their skill uh, mm-hmm. in 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 their art mm-hmm. um, well and especially i mean just to create shapes that don't exist anywhere on their face Exactly. Or their body. Yes. Yes. And the way they know anatomy and how they work. Yeah. It's just, it's very, very impressive. Yeah. The way they work with it to either exaggerate it or hide it, bring it down like Trixie Mattel, like how she does the great big eyes that would never exist in the big cut, like cheekbones. Oh yeah. It's like campy, but not in a way that looks strange or um undone yeah no looks normal yeah, no mm-hmm. I, I it it just it it makes me it, it just makes me sad for myself because i don't have the skills exactly to, <laughs> no. and, and I, i'm ashamed that i as a woman can't actually I, look i'm always like why can't i do that mm-hmm. yeah i know i just like uh you know you you you, you have the features already and stuff and i can't even do it as well as, as they no, can i look like a four-year-old's done my makeup <laughs> when i do that yeah. like when just, i try something yeah, like, yeah no. it, it just uh-uh. doesn't look natural you know it <laughs> no. doesn't look right I, don't I, look flawless I, I, I know, I know. I have to get one of them to do me. Maybe they could teach me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what I want to do. I want to have sit down with one of them and then be like, just help. But me. I'm going to say, who's that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> show me the way. Be like, I'm a 40 year old woman and I still can't do my eyeliner right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. And these guys are just like, oh my gosh. Yeah, they're, they're tremendous. They really are. Um, it is. Like, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't have any room for intolerance and things. I mean, there's just no room in the arts. There's really no room for that. No, especially in the arts. Other talent and, and skills, mm-hmm. and uh, and it has nothing to do with you know, who you are really, what you look like. Is it's, it's just your skill. Amen. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Yeah, I think that.